welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Preston M. Smith. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm Preston M. Smith, at PMS Artwork Everywhere on Internet Land and Socials. I want to thank you for landing on this podcast. Whether you're a professional artist, just getting started in the art world, a collector of art, or just consider yourself a creative person, this podcast has something for you. I like to think of it as a fun way to rant and talk to other creative people about living the life of an artist, surviving and getting ahead in the art world, and enjoying your life. But most importantly, not waiting until you're dead to make it happen. All right, let's get started. We got the beeping, flashing light, so I think we're good. How are you, Hillary? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I am doing great. So you are in North Carolina, right? I am, yes. Asheville, North Carolina. Um, Asheville, nice. Yeah. I, I said that like I know, like I've been to Asheville. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It is It is nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm originally from North Carolina, and I actually lived, you know, on the West Coast in Portland, Oregon for the better part of the past two decades and just moved back here within the past year, actually. I saw that. Yeah, when we were setting this up, I was like, I think she's in North Carolina, but I was reading about you a little more on your website, and I saw that you went to Portland. How was, well, we're going to get into your origin story and all that, but I guess we can get into it a little bit right now. How, how was Oregon? I love it. I loved it. You know, um, I love the Pacific Northwest. It's it's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fun. It's wonderful. Yeah. I went to school actually in Washington. My, my grandparents lived in, uh, outside of Seattle. And then I had some family in, in Portland and we used to drive over from college to go to Portland to see some concerts and stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's just a great, great area. I love it. Great energy over there. Yeah, that's fantastic. Seattle is wonderful too. It's it's a lot like Portland, definitely bigger, but still gorgeous. I love it. Yes, if you can handle the steady sprinkling of rain all the time, then it is your yeah. town. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but now I'm in all. Now I get like too much sun. Ideally, somewhere in, in between. But I wanted to start out by asking you, how have you been doing? How's your art been doing? How have you been doing personally? I know I always say on the podcast I call. COVID, the virus, which will not be named, but um, how has the <laughs> pandemic uh, affected you and your art or, or has it? You know, that's, it's a really interesting question. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Um, yeah. Also, thanks for having me. I didn't say that before. Oh yeah, of course. Um, You're yeah. out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Um, yeah, but you know, I already worked from home. So that didn't really change a lot in terms of workflow and, right. and um, you know, day-to-day procedure. But, you know, it, the, the weight of everything going on, it does affect things and change things. And I, you know, have been working on energy management because there's this weird, you know, lack of seeing fewer people for me kind of has a different energy in life in general. And so just really working on managing that. But my business is going well. I've been selling art and making art. I think, you know, yeah, I, I, I just feel really, really fortunate, actually. Yes, I completely hear you. I think a lot of artists in general kind of transitioned a little easier. Now, I will say with what I mean, if you're just used to really selling 
artwork in person or like a brick and mortar gallery, I think that has been a big adjustment for some artists. But I know, like, I was excited to talk to you because I feel like we have, we're very like-minded as far as some of our approaches to art. And I know I've got this whole thing about the starving artist being this uh, kind of nasty stigma. And I saw on your website, you kind of feel the same way. So, you know, I know you do a lot of stuff online. I know you're good at marketing. I think it's been very easy, not easy, but it's been easier for artists like us who already kind of have an online presence to kind of transition uh, right now during the pandemic. I know a lot of other artists who aren't used to that have been kind of scrambling to catch up. I absolutely agree with you. I, you know, I've been selling my work for 12 or 13 years now, and I I haven't done a lot of the the brick and mortar. It's been, you know, for me, mostly largely online because, and I love it. I love that. Um, Yeah, me too. But I never considered a situation like this where it would just be one of those things where it's really beneficial. It's incredibly beneficial to be able to keep working, not miss a beat, you know, and 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 continue to sell and continue to be able to work. I just again super grateful. Yes, I, I completely agree. Now you're talking about kind of energy management. I'm I'm a little intrigued because I, I kind of feel the same way. So have you been kind of replacing kind of that energy you get from being face to face with somebody with some sort of kind of private practice? Or what have you been doing to kind of to manage that? Uh, well, it, I think about energy management all the time. Maybe my brain works a little differently from other people, but it's really important for me to, to balance that, to not get, you know, too overstimulated or too understimulated. Yes. And, um, you know, I'm also a little introverted to begin with, hence I love, you know, running an online business. It's one of the perks for me. Right. So I didn't really, you know, it's, it's one of those things where there's, there's a, was a gradual shift at first. It was like, I'm okay. This is, you know, kind of what I'm used to. And then it was like, wow. And and I also relocated this year. So that actually is a little bit of a different lens. And, you know, there've been times when it has been challenging not to, you know, be able to go grab lunch or coffee with someone and and chat because things are closed. People are, you know, keeping to themselves, but, and, you know, zoom calls and phone calls, they are a little different than (laughs) they definitely are. Right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, we're not even looking at each other right now, but, no, uh, I know, I know. And it's, I mean, it's fine. It's, it's better than nothing. Right. But it really yeah, is. I completely understand. There's just something kind of intangible you can't get from being, you know, in somebody's presence, but a little, so wait, you, you actually relocated this year during the pandemic? Uh, before. Oh, before. so right before. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess that was a little really lucky. weird. Yeah, no kidding. Really weird timing, you know, to, to move here. And yes, it's bizarre, but yes. And that, that whole thing has been weird because I don't actually know that many people in the town that we're living in. Okay. Um, and maybe I'm a weirdo, but you know, one of the things I've just noticed during this, this time is just going out to, you know, grab a cup of coffee sometimes just feels really good just to get out there. And that gives me enough energy to that, that does it, you know, that's enough to get another burst. Yeah, no, I know. For me, it's funny. Like my wife and I, we we just go out and we grab a coffee. We just drive around in our car, and it's like, okay, <laughs> this is fun. We're out. We're seeing. We're seeing people. We're not really inter- interacting with people, but it, you know, it kind of does. It's like a nice little substitute. That's got to be hard for you to kind of move. I actually thought you might have moved back home, but so you moved to a town that you really don't know a lot of people. That must have been hard to establish some roots without being able to ease into meeting people. 
Yeah, it is. And now I, I can say there are a lot of people I know that I can drive to. Um, my hometown is, you know, a six hour drive away and I can can do that and go see people. So it's not completely, okay. you know, isolating in that, in that way. Um, but it's just the day to day. And like you said, I'm, I feel like you guys going for a coffee and driving around or going for a walk, you know, that that feels really good to be able to see people. And I know this is temporary. It's not permanent. So that that changes the lens a little bit from feeling like, oh, no, I'll never, you know, be able to, like you said, put down those roots. I know it'll come in time. Right. People are going to be, when this is over, people are going to be like, oh, welcome, Hillary. You're like, I've been here for two years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> Man, I know. Well, so let's, I know you got, you gave us a little bit already, but maybe you could fill in some gaps on the origin story. So you were born and raised in North Carolina? Yes. Okay. So take us from there, from how you kind of got into art and how that grew and anything that kind of came at you from there. I'll, I'll let you take the, take the helm here. Okay, sure. I, yeah, I was born and raised in North Carolina. I went to college in North Carolina at Appalachian State University. Mm-hmm. And after college, did some backpacking across the, the country and ended up out in the Pacific Northwest and fell in love with it, the hiking and, you know, the, the backpacking, everything. It was such a gorgeous place and ended up moving. And I wasn't sure if that would be short term or long term. And then ended up working in corporate marketing in Portland for, you know, over a decade. And I guess coming back to painting, um, back in college, I did, I guess I've been creative all my life in some way, but in college, I did some painting with watercolor, more technical landscape work. I will admit I am not very good at that. It's technical, it's time consuming, but I enjoyed it. And so, you know, that's kind of what I thought art really was. And it wasn't until, well, about 13 years ago that I made my first abstract painting just kind of on a whim. And I, that was it. I fell in love oh. with it. Yes, totally. Just yeah. like, th- that's who I am. That just, you know, creative, organic, flowing type of process is just, it was amazing. Yeah. And yeah. And then I just started making paintings and then they're piling up, you know, and you. <laughs> right. I know <laughs> and, the feeling. Yeah. And then, so, you know, someone recommended, well, why don't you try to sell those? And I was like, what? Are you kidding? And uh, I listed five paintings. Do you remember Boundless Gallery? No. Boundless Gallery was my first online website. It's not around anymore, but I met at so many friends there. And I listed five paintings on Boundless Gallery. And I think in a, a This must have weeks, been in my reclusive days when I was reclusive. just painting in the studio. <laughs> yeah, sorry. You're the- <laughs> well, that was my first foray into online art marketing. And I sold two paintings and I was absolutely stunned. It was so oh, wow. cool. Yeah. And so then I was like, okay. And so I just, you know, would okay, I'll sell these paintings and reinvest and keep making art and keep listing it. And, you know, I had a corporate marketing career at the same time and I was really busy. Can you tell Um, us what year this was like circa what? Gosh, that's a great question. Um, 2006 is when I first started, when I made my first abstract uh, painting and listed the artwork online. Yeah. Wow. So that's pretty early on. I mean, that, yeah. that was back when I was doing, oh, the only way to go is to get, you know, into a gallery and then they will save your entire life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, um, exactly. Yeah. So you were kind of ahead of the curve right there. And is this when eBay was kind of starting to hit too, as far as selling online? 
Yes. In fact, I remember, yes, I did sell a few things on eBay. And it's one of those things where you post it for a low price and they do the, the auctions and, you know, right. I, it, it was a lot of um, a process, a lot of work, a lot of time. Um, but it was fun. It was, it was new to me, you know, and I, I feel like I always do things differently or even sometimes backwards, but I never went the, the brick and mortar gallery way. I mean, I have had, you know, exhibits in them now, but yeah. that just isn't how I, I started. I just kind of randomly started listing artwork and yeah. I love it. I love the roundabout way because I did the exact opposite, you know, uh, went through school, came down here. I was trying to do a little acting and painting, but um, I quickly discovered that I was more in love with painting. And then I just started, like you, I started just cranking out the paintings, running out of space, and then I started showing. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny because you, you think, oh, I'm going to get in some shows. And then it's really hard when you're starting out to sell work in a brick and mortar gallery. It really is. Because you've got, mainly you've got some friends coming in. A lot of your friends may not have money at the time either. And they're like, oh, we love your work. We can't afford it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. And so it just kind of felt a little bit stifling. I would sell a few pieces kind of randomly here and there over the years. Like I think I sold about three or four or five every year, which for me at the time, I was like, oh, I'm selling work. That's great. But I mean, it was such a far cry from being able to make a living selling art. It just felt like the gap was kind of insurmountable. And, and that's why when I started to kind of make that transition in a roundabout way to online and taking kind of control over my art career, it was the same thing. It was like, oh, I mean, like a light came on and <laughs> I realized that I could kind of have some control over what I do. And then ironically, as you're saying, once you kind of establish yourself and you start showing you can sell work, then the galleries come to you a little bit too. You start getting in shows, but it's not something that you absolutely have to do, which is freedom, right? It really is. Yes. Absolutely. So, well, it's cool to hear you say that because, you know, I know a lot of people don't really think of, I think it's becoming more and more, uh, you know, like an opportunity that people can take advantage of now getting online and doing stuff. And I know a lot of people are just starting out on Instagram now, but back in 2006, that was the wild West. It still is to, to an extent, but um, it's really cool to hear, hear your, your pioneer story. I keep, <laughs> I keep, I keep bringing it back to like the 1800s, but um, well, okay, cool. So let's uh, move on. So you had a lot of corporate experience too, which is great. I'm assuming that that was something that really benefited you once you started kind of focusing on your online stuff. Tell me if you took some stuff from that to, to apply. Absolutely. You know, I, I think about it as such a synergy. I did not go to school for art. I don't have an MFA. My you know whole career was focused around business and marketing. Um, and so absolutely, that was an easier transition, I think, than, you know, without that, I'm not I'm not sure it would have been as easy to just go in and be so comfortable with the online art marketing world. But um, there are lots of pieces of doing this online that I am completely self-taught painter. I taught myself how to use Photoshop, how to use a professional camera, you know, those things being self-taught, it it takes a lot longer, you know, to to learn and trial and error. But again, I, I guess I do things backwards, but yeah, and then just just transitioning and, and seeing new like you you were talking about eBay. Um, I, I did do that for a short while, and then ended up tra- when Boundless Gallery went away. I found a few other online uh, galleries and websites, and ended up on Etsy. Today, I sell on seven different websites, including my own website. So yes, 
there's so much you can do. And like you brought up social media, that just has created a, an amazing low barrier to entry for anyone to, to get involved. It's amazing. It is amazing. And it's one of those things where it's like, it's both a good and bad thing. I mean, it, it's yes. so many more opportunities for artists now, but there's also so many more artists. Like, and I say that in, in air quotes, I mean, I'm not one to hate on, on artists starting out, but all of a sudden you're on a level playing field almost with somebody who just picked up a brush maybe a week ago. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, which is great. I mean, honestly, it keeps us on our toes, but, um, yeah, yeah I does. feel like if I had these opportunities back then, well, I, mean, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard to look back because I might not have taken advantage of it because I just wasn't in the right headspace at the time. But let's just say I'm happy that it exists now. Are you selling work like directly through Instagram? I do. I, I sell work through Instagram. I sell through Facebook. You know, I... Mm-hmm. I don't consider myself very good at social media in terms of like, you know, um, I feel like you're super prolific and you're, you post a lot and I, I feel like I get, you know, bogged down and I take long breaks that you're not supposed to take, but I just, you know, try to stay consistent and I, you know, I definitely gain customers through those sites and, and then, you know, they go directly through my own website and I just, yeah. But do you do like any, um, for example, do people DM you to buy stuff ever? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. On both on both sites. Yes. Oh, nice. That's great. Yeah. And, and are you? Do you have like a a shop set up on Facebook? I, I I know I'm very familiar with your Instagram account, but not your Facebook. I don't have a shop on Facebook. I basically just direct everyone to my own website. Okay. That's yeah. yeah that's smart. Um. So well, while we're on marketplaces, I know I've seen you on some, but um, what are some of your favorite aside from your website and all that and social media? What are some of your favorite art marketplaces? I uh, love Zatista and Saatchi and Art Finder and mm-hmm. um, Single Art. Have you heard of them? Oh, yeah. Actually, I got with them about two years ago. And they really, I was with, I don't know if you were ever with Van Gogh. I was. I loved Van Gogh. I loved Van Gogh. I was selling so oh, much on Van Gogh. And me then they, too. I literally had like four pieces out when they notified us that they were basically going to no longer exist. And I was like, oh, oh, you're kidding. Oh, it was heartbreaking, wasn't it? It was heartbreaking. And yeah, I had to kind of, I wasn't sure if I was going to get paid. Luckily, we kind of sorted it out. I I'd talked with the CEO a couple of times, but um, it was heartbreaking. Yeah. And then it's just like, it's one of those things where nowadays you really have to be able to adapt. And yeah. it kind of sounds like the same thing that you did with, was it called Boundless? Boundless Gallery. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Cause it's kind of, it's, it freaks you out. Like when something changes, even like an algorithm changes, like I've had periods where I'm doing really well on a certain marketplace, like I'm just killing it. And then you start to kind of count on that. Yes. And then sometimes something will shift or change and all of a sudden you're not getting the same visibility. So it's like, you always have to be a little diversified and you always have to be kind of adapting and changing your game. And luckily I think singular um, filled a gap for me that where Van Gogh kind of left off because I think I've sold about 18 or 19 this year with them and it's been great, but you, you're selling well with them too, right? Yes. I feel the exact same as you. I was selling really well with Van Gogh. I loved them. Um, and then at, they were so fabulous, but then and by the way, sorry. And they were local. I mean, not local. I mean, they were, a national yeah. gallery. Yeah. And I assume you're talking about Ethan that you talked to. Yes, Ethan. Yeah. I, he was just a wonderful, wonderful guy. Yeah. And 
so it was really sad when they went away. And then single art, like you said, um, they, they did kind of come in right around that time. And I feel the same as you. I picked right back up where I left off with Van Gogh and I've been selling really well and, and a lot of uh, artwork overseas. And I just love them. They just, you know, they're, they're so, so kind and so easy to work with. I remember when I first started selling with them, I would, I would get a random call at like seven in the morning from France. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> What the hell's going on? Yeah. And then I, I would let it go to voicemail and I said, oh, it's singular. Okay, I should probably call them back. I know, but they're <laughs> super nice. And I think they have, I think it's kind of easy now to start an art marketplace. There's kind of a template out there that exists. The thing that I liked about Singular was they seemed very highly curated. They approached me. I don't know if they approached you too, but they, they did. Yeah. And that was great because they were obviously looking for people that they thought could fit with their kind of overall aesthetic and and, you know, I'm always a little hesitant, but I'm also one to jump now. I've kind of taught myself because I, I wasted so many years in the past not doing this that I'm just like, okay, I'm going to try everything. You know, I can always quit. And I, I really liked their approach and I got in with them and, and just from the get go, they were doing really unique marketing, something that I hadn't really seen with some of the other marketplaces. And yeah, they've just been really hands-on and I just hope that it uh, continues that way. I agree. I, I totally agree with you. And I know what you mean. There, there are so many, they pop up and it's kind of like, ah, you know, you have to have to vet them out. But you said the, the word that I think of too, they're highly curated. And I feel like that, yeah. that tends to lead to success from what I've seen. Definitely. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a level of professionalism that they hold themselves to. It's not just like we started this and you'll never be able to talk to us and upload all your body of work. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've had some places where I've uploaded, you know, hundreds of paintings and just to kind of get uh, to establish a presence on their site. And then a week later, they're gone and there's no word from them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So that doesn't happen often, but I've had enough of those where it's like, okay, you got to be a little wary of some of these new ones. But um, at the same time, you got to try because you never know what's going to happen. Like you never know if uh, another Van Gogh is going to happen, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, so do you do, um, I know you said you have an Etsy page. How's Etsy been for you? I have two Etsy shops. I have a shop where I sell original work and then a shop where I list and sell my prints. Oh, um, nice. yeah, I, you know, it's funny through Etsy. When I first started selling on Etsy, my work was priced at a lower price point mm -hmm. and I sold a lot more work, a lot of work through Etsy. Um, right. when I first started now, I actually do a lot more commission work through Etsy, um, people that want you know, a specific size, a specific, you know, color palette. And, um, so for originals and then, you know, my print shop is, you know, those, those are lower price point items. I tend to do somewhat well with those as well. So, you know, mm -hmm. no, that's yeah. great. I, I see you when I look to your website and I see your, I know you said you're kind of hit or miss with Instagram, but from my standpoint, I see you constantly, you know, having a presence on there, but, um, I, I love the way your website's set up. It's very professional. I love, it's broken down into so many different categories. It's like another reason why I feel like we were like-minded because we both seem to have a lot of irons in the fire, kind of, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which is good. I mean, I'm always telling artists, look, you gotta throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and hopefully all these things you're doing, you're passionate about, which it seems like you are, which is great. It's even a bigger plus, but like, I love on your site how, you know, you have the coaching. You have the blog. I mean, I see you do 
interviews. I love that you have a separate section for commissions where you break down the process because, you know, a lot of people, I think artists don't really think about it from a, a customer standpoint. They don't think like, well, if I was going to approach an artist, and I knew nothing about the art world. You know, how would I, what questions would I have? And you have it laid out right there. It's like an intro course into commissions. And then it must, <laughs> it must be a nice little transition for them to actually end up commissioning you. So that's awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate that feedback. Yeah, it's great. So I just lost my train. Oh, um, so with the coaching, if you don't mind, I know, I know you charge money for that, which you should. So I'm not going to ask you to kind of divulge all your secrets or anything, <laughs> but if you can give us kind of like a general thing and maybe even some people who are listening might want to take advantage. Uh, so what's your coaching all about? Well, you know what? It, it kind of just depends on the person. I started doing the coaching because I got so many requests, so many questions, so many people asking for help. And I, you know, realize that there are a lot of really talented people out there that don't actually know how to sell or market their work. Oh my God. Yes. Sometimes they don't even know how to list it or how to get started or how to deal with social media. Right. So really, usually what I do is I talk to the person and determine where they are and then I'll make a recommendation. And if they like that recommendation, I'll help them and walk them through. And, it, you know, again, it's been from literally from all levels, from someone who doesn't even know what Facebook is to someone who's been selling for, you know, a few years, but they just aren't selling their work well and don't, don't know how to, how to break through that plateau, sure. um, which you know so well, it, it, it can feel really defeating. And so, you oh know, my God, you can be an inch away <laughs> From breaking through, but it feels yeah. like you haven't made any headway. Sorry. Yeah. But yes, no, you're exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I, I, it's hard to believe that some people out there just still don't know what Facebook is, but, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I'm sure there are. And, and there, you know, there, you're right. I mean, some of the stuff you said resonated with me too. Although I did study art and acting in school, like I don't have an MFA or anything, but I worked with a really amazing painter. Uh, he'd been, you know, painting for 40 years, came from Boston. I learned a lot from him, but I didn't learn anything about the business side of being an artist. And I think for me, luckily, like you had the corporate experience, I had experience waiting tables. Like I gave myself, I kind of told myself, I'm going to wait tables until I'm making a living being an artist. And that, yeah, (laughs) it took a little bit longer than I thought it was going to. Uh, and sometimes I hated my life because of it, but, oh yeah, but um, I'm really, I'm so glad I did it looking back because not only did I learn, you know, a work ethic and, and not only did it give me some time to kind of figure out how to make the transition, but I feel like I learned how to deal with people. Like I, I learned how to do customer service and I apply that so much to my art. I think a lot of artists are just like, well, I just want to, I'm going to be in the studio painting and drinking a <laughs> bottle of whiskey and somebody will, you know, somebody will pick up that for me and do all that. But I think nowadays you need to be able to at least talk to people, right? Uh, yes. Be coherent about how you talk about your work and uh, hopefully take it a step further and give good customer service. So that resonated with me too. I'm sure, I'm sure your time in the corporate world and you know, um, navigating all that helped you also to transition into selling your art. Yes, absolutely. And you know, you're talking about like the, the brick and mortar um, 
you know, artist path. And one of the things I've done is I've worked with a lot of artists who've only done the brick and mortar and they, you know, have come to me and they want right. to figure out how to transition. And it can be a big hurdle for them to, it, it, there's a mindset, you know, that, that is involved in transitioning from the brick and mortar world into online sales. And it's, yeah. you know, it's tricky. And so I feel like well, some people almost feel like someone. they're selling out too. Sorry to interrupt, but oh, some, yeah. you know, like, oh, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. Exactly. And exactly. And they don't, and, and then they have to kind of think of reframe the way they think about art sales because there's, you know, I think there's the, the, the old guard, like the, you know, it, it's really prestigious to be in a brick and mortar gallery and it, and it is of course, yeah. but to, to transition into thinking, no, it's actually also okay to, to sell your work yourself and to market yourself. It's you know actually exciting because like you've said earlier, you take the reins yourself and you're, you're in control of that. Yeah. It's empowering. It really is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and ideally look great. I mean, and, and I think a lot of people also they're well, people fear change, but they're also afraid that when they're making that transition, like the brick and mortar thing is going to go away. It doesn't have to go away. It can be just another tool you have in your arsenal. You can be balancing them both. That's exactly right. Yes. And and they actually are synergistic. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> sorry, I don't, I don't think that worked. <laughs> I, the last thing I heard, sorry, we had a little technical problem here. So uh, we are back. And I think the last thing you were trying to say is that not only is it um, something good to have in your arsenal to have a balance of both, but it's synergistic. Absolutely. I think it is. You know, it's, I think they work really well together and they bring different types of energy, which, you know, I, I talked about kind of energy and in, in managing things yes. initially, but I just, I think they both work really well together and I don't think you have to have to choose one or the other. I think you can have both and it works really nicely. I agree. And it's kind of fun when you start to do that because you start to realize, okay, what else is possible? Like if you would have told me 10 years ago that I would not only be making a living with my art, which is something that I would be kind of controlling for the most part. I mean, I still do galleries and stuff, but you know, 80% of my sales come from online and that I would be, you know, doing a podcast and like editing and shooting my own YouTube videos and doing, you know, doing all this stuff, doing these, these gallery submission process with Shockbox. I would have told you you're crazy because I would have not known where to start, but now it's just like, yeah, sure. Bring it on. I can do this. I can do this. Now the only problem is that I get a little too, overwhelmed and busy, but I, I think that's a good problem to have. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. And I, I know what you're saying. If, if you were to look at things now from where you started, it would be totally overwhelming. And it's like, it's just a little bit at a time, a little mm-hmm. bit every day. You just keep going and you end up somewhere you're really surprised by. I love it. It's so true. It's like baby steps or, you know, just stacking up little wins here and there. It doesn't feel like much when you're doing it, but when you look back, it's like, oh man, I can't believe how how far I've come, uh, yeah. which is, which is awesome. So right. I know we got a little bit derailed there, but we were also talking about your website. Um, you were talking about coaching. I know you also have a blog and I noticed recently that you, uh, maybe you've been doing it for a while, but I noticed recently that you also do interviews. Yes. How I long just, has that been happening? I just started that. Um, it's one oh, of nice. the things, yeah, right after, you know, as, as I mentioned about three weeks after the the quarantine kicked in. I started to get a little punchy mm-hmm. and feel <laughs> of kind course. of, uh, you know, like, you know, uh, uh, just a, a little, 
isolated in my work. And then also I was sitting looking at the news, which not a good idea, you know, the online news and just thinking like, I don't see anything good. I don't see anything positive. I don't see anything that gives me energy. I only feel, you know, tired. And I thought, well, how can I make some positive news and bring something positive to the table, you know, and, and I don't know, add something to the narrative that, that is a little different. And so I, you know, sent out some, some invitations to some, some people to do an interview and they're, they're written interviews, which I've enjoyed doing because it's, you know, it's a little different from talking to someone, but, you know, I I was really surprised because I asked a couple of people that I, I thought for sure they'd say no. And they said, yes, you know, like food network star, Melissa D Arabia. And I was just stunned that, you know, she was, you know, uh, available to talk with me. And it just was just amazing. Yeah. And it just kind of, I just started just at the scene, like the, uh, the UPS driver who takes photographs with dogs. And I, I'd been a fan of his for a while. And I just thought, you know, how, how fun would it be to talk with him and ask questions about, you know, how he seeks positivity in his day during this time when there's so much negativity and just, you know, it was a, a project I started and it's just been really fun. That's awesome. Yeah. The one thing I will echo with what you said is, yeah, everything I've seen that you've done as far as interviews on your blog, it is, it is definitely positive and we need that (laughs) right now. So thank you for doing that. I kind of felt the same thing with the podcast. I was actually starting it right before the quarantine happened. I'd already kind of been working on it for a couple months, but it was like serendipity, you know, because not only did it fill a little bit of a void of communicating with people like you're talking about, but it also was part of the reason why I did this was to kind of foster some sort of community with artists, you know, and, and make it feel like you're not so alone and there are little tips and tricks you can learn. So yeah, it's great. I love that you're doing it too. I love that you're giving back and I love that you're bringing some positivity in the world because it's so much easier to bring negativity, right? Yeah. There's enough negativity, you know, that's out there in spades if you want that, but (laughs) yeah, if you want that, turn on your TV. (laughs) It's really easy to find, but yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I, that's so encouraging. Thank you for, for saying it. And I, your podcast is wonderful and I love that story. And, you know, I agree with you. It is, it works really well right now. And it, it just feels nice to, to have another outlet for communicating with people. And again, the positivity is just right now. I just feel like it's everything. It is. And, you know, sometimes you get some flack from people. Like I've gotten flack from people for whatever, being positive with my work or, you know, just being supportive. I I know it sounds funny, but there's somewhat of a pushback in the art community a little bit because I think artists kind of are still holding on to this whole idea of being the kind of the tortured, starving artist. And look, I know it. Like some of the people that I know now, they they didn't know me, but for, for the first 10 years, 12 years down here, I was that person. I was like the poor, tortured, starving artist, drank too much, you know, in a, in a dark, in a place of darkness. I did all pop surrealism, very dark stuff. And yeah. And you know, it was great. Like it was a very good experience for me looking back, but I would never want to revisit it ever. So I am happy that I took what I learned in that period and now have transitioned kind of from darkness into light and, it's just, it's just such a better place to be. And I feel like it just starts to kind of bleed over into other parts of your life. You know, um, I don't think I would be successful otherwise. That yeah. is a beautiful story and I love it. And oh, I, awesome. I, I just, I totally, you know, agree with you. And I reiterate that whole, that you're right. There is kind of this, you know, the, the, 
the starving artist or the, the tortured soul, you know, that, that yeah. type of stereotype. And I completely rebel against that and have from day one, it's like, you know, I, I just want, I, I mean, I, I look at your work. It's a lot like mine. There's a lot of color there. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. It's, you know, I mean, I, it's funny because I, you know, I've gone through a couple things throughout the past, you know, couple of years with, you know, family or whatnot. And I can always tell my work start. I, when I start back painting again, it's always like gray and neutral. And then sure enough, the color always comes back. Yeah, and It's just, uh, I don't know. And then the starving artist thing, it's like that there's just a totally different playing field now. And it just is a, a really good time, I think, to be an artist and to be able to make a good living doing it. I completely agree. And it's, it's interesting. You said that it starts out gray. It's almost like you're working out subconsciously what's going on through your colors and then it's like okay I've gotten I've gotten that out now I'm <laughs> I'm back into the the vibrant color you know exactly exactly that's all, I can very much relate to that um <laughs> that's awesome yeah and you know it's funny like I think that's something that as human beings we've always been kind of attracted more to the drama um I, I don't think I am luckily now anymore but I remember as a kid as a little boy or as you know, a high school student, even I was very attracted to you know the people who lived fast and died young, like the the Jim Morrisons and the Kurt Cobains and the stuff like that. And I always thought that that was like Jim Morrison says, you know, have you have you lived have you lived enough to you know have a movie be made about you? And, and I was always like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to you know <laughs> I'm going to live I'm going to live hard and and have all these experiences. But what you don't realize when you're watching that is it's awful for all the people around you and it's awful for yourself too like you you don't want to do that it's only romantic to the the filmmaker who's doing it you know from a safe distance later on after you've already died so nobody really wants to do that I absolutely agree with you and I mean I you know I've, I've been through that phase too as a, a younger person just being that you know tortured soul and yeah you know you read all the, the darker poetry and the darker right. writing and the music and and I totally get it. But, and it's funny, you know, now I just, I don't know, I've really embraced the, the vibrant, positive, colorful life that, that is organic and natural to me. And sometimes I feel kind of boring, you know, in that, but. No, it's, it's not boring. <laughs> I, I love what you're doing. Keep, keep doing it. Keep bringing the, the beauty into the world. I, I love it. We, we need you. more of it. Yeah. And um, I was going to ask you, yeah. maybe this one is not maybe you don't have enough information because of the timing, but I was going to ask you what the art scene was like there in North Carolina. Um, maybe you haven't had enough time in your, in your local place, but I think you know North Carolina well enough to maybe speak to that a bit. Is it a, is it a pretty vibrant arts community there? It's incredible. Um, and, I, and I say that from the lens of standing outside looking in a little bit, but it's really funny. Um, I you know lived in and around Portland for all the other years of my art career. And I uh, worked from home and had a studio from, you know, in my house and um, Asheville is incredible. They have, it's called the river arts district and it's in West Asheville. And I actually um, moved my studio outside of my home two weeks ago because I was able to get a space and it's, Oh, that's right. Yeah. There are so many artist studios down there. So you can feel the energy, you can feel the creative energy. Yeah. Aside from the fact that like they, a lot of people paint these gorgeous murals all over the buildings and the old grain silos. And it's just a vibrant, 
you can feel it. And I, again, I still feel like I'm on the outside, which is totally fine. I actually love, that's my favorite place to be. You know, I can, can feel the energy, but I don't get, you know, overwhelmed by it. And yes. I, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm just absolutely loving going down there. You know, I do all my painting there. I still do all of my office work and photography and Photoshop work at my, at my home office. But uh, yeah, I love it. And so, yeah, it's, it seems like it's really incredible. They have also have a brand new um, art museum downtown, which I haven't been to. I'm going to mm-hmm. have to, to put on a mask and go in one of these days. But, right. Yeah. Well, I hear, yeah, a, have- I hear a lot of the museums are failing right now. Oh, really? Yeah, they've been having to, I mean, this is what I heard on the news. So, I mean, who knows how much this is true as far as like, uh, you know, on a widespread level. But I do hear that a lot of the museums are actually having to kind of release some of their private collection items and sell those off just to kind of make ends meet. Oh, that, well, that's too bad. But I guess it also makes sense if they don't have the, the foot traffic and right. people paying for tickets. That's, I'm sorry to hear that, but it yeah. makes sense, I guess. Yeah. But sorry, but anyway, yeah, so your, your museum, yeah. you want to get in there. Well, just, you know, walk around and, and check it out. I'm trying to, you know, do little things here and there. But, um, but yeah, the, the arts district is, is really fun. And I have a studio by myself, so I can, you know, go in safely and work and as much as oh, I want, nice. which is just really nice. Yeah. So, but you, and there are how many other artists around you? I, well, I, first of all, I can't tell you how many are down there. It seems like there are hundreds, but in the building I'm in, I think there are 20 in addition to like a pottery um, studio there where I think actually 20 pottery artists work from that one studio. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's an it's it's like an old building. It's just really cool. Yeah, I saw the pictures on Instagram when you were moving studios and I meant to ask you about that and it's so funny that that was left out of my question. So thank you for bringing that up. I mean, yeah. the last time I had that experience was in college. You just have a bunch of people painting around you and a bunch of studios and I had like private access to go in. It was amazing. Like I, you definitely there's a lot to be said for feeding off of the energy of just a, a creative environment. Um, I think that's one of the things that can be hard for artists is the self-isolation. And if, if all you're seeing is yourself, your own work and your four walls, it, it can be a little stifling sometimes. Yeah, that's a really good word, stifling. It can be. And I, I think, you know, for me, it's, it's, there's a balance. I have to strike a balance because too much, uh, you know, interaction and too much, you know, energy. And I, I get really tired and depleted, sure. not enough also depleted, but I have to, I wanted to just also say, I think uh, Portland definitely has a thriving art scene as well. It's just, for me, it just wasn't like, I, I, this is a smaller place and it wasn't as, you know, I just didn't get involved in the community as much as I feel like I have already here in a year. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how that evolves too once we kind of come out of the pandemic a little bit. I absolutely agree. It will be interesting. <laughs> well, I'm going to be tracking your progress on Instagram. So, so that's good. Um, okay. So I wanted to shift gears a little bit. Oh, well, one thing, I guess while we're closing up the loop on, on the website, I saw that you had won first place in the 2019 American Art Awards. That's awesome. Congratulations. I did. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. What I is have. that? And where does it, um, is that an online thing? How long has it been around? How did you submit to this? Tell us about it. The American Art Awards. So um, it's, there is, do you know Tom Beards? He's a, was an actor. He is in Hollywood. I don't know, but he is also an I artist. Should. Yeah, I know you should. I don't know. I think he was, um, 
he was on one of the famous, the popular soap operas, but I don't think he is anymore. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, but anyway, but he is also an artist and he set up the, uh, started the American Art Awards years ago. And I've been entering them for, I mean, at least 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I, it's just, you know, they, I think now they have 25 galleries that vote on the, di- they have lots of different categories from minimalism to um, portraiture. And my category typically is abstract artwork. Although, you know, I have entered into a couple of the other categories from time to time, yeah. but um, yes, they have 25 galleries that vote on the work in each of those categories. So it's just really fun. It's, you know, that's yeah. awesome. I know. I mean, any time you're in something like that where you're being chosen out of that many artists, first of all, and then secondly, having those that many jurors and people who know what they're talking about, that's a real accolade. Yes, I, I, it feels really good. And there are artists from all over the world, really, really talented artists. So I just, I love them. And yeah, it's, it feels like a, an honor. So that's <laughs> awesome. No, Thank congratulations. You. Well, Thank oh, and um, I know we got cut off earlier, so I did want to. I did want to touch on something. The coaching. Um, I know you take on about two to three people per month. Is that correct? Yes, at the most. It depends. Most. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the first part of this year, the first half of this year, I only took on one because I had someone who was kind of starting from a, with, with a ground up situation, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't want to. You know, I, I. That's one of those things that I. I only reserve a set amount of time because there's a different energy involved in that. And, you know, I, I have to keep it balanced with, you know, running the rest of my business. So, you know, it just depends on if it's someone who, you know, just needs like a little bit of help. I can do more than one, but sometimes I'll just do one just to make sure that I can give enough to, you know, make it an ideal situation for them and for me. Right. No, that makes sense. So if, if somebody were interested in this, then they just go to your website and reach out to you there? Oh yeah. Send me an email or reach out on the contact page on my website. You can reach out to me on uh, Instagram or Facebook as well. Yes. And do it because Hillary is doing very well and you can learn, you can learn. From her. <laughs> I am here for you. Yes. There you go. I like it. I'm here for you. Um, I always ask everybody I'm interviewing because we talk about the origin story. I always talk about ours kind of being like superheroes a little bit. So what is your superpower. And by that, I mean, when you're not feeling creative, if you're kind of in a rut or whatever, what is something that you do that kind of gets the creative juices flowing and and lets you kind of rise or helps you rise above that? For me, that is uh, going outside and exercising, moving my body somewhere in nature in some form or facet, whether it's on a bike or a hike or, you know, a jog or something. I, that's, that's what it takes to clear my head and you know, sometimes yes. it doesn't always work in one session. Maybe it takes a couple of days, but that's kind of my thing. And then also, you know, avoiding, I was thinking about this last week. Like there's like, you know, I get asked, you get asked a lot, what inspires you? But for me, the most important thing I think about is like, what takes away inspiration? Um, yes, right. So avoiding those things that, you know, are really depleting, like, well, the news. Sure. And, uh, Certain and then, people can suck your energy out. In a second, really, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, you almost have to find that group of people that that not only has your back, but helps you stay in that positive mindset that you need to be an artist. 
It's absolutely true. And, you know, like I just kind of almost scheduling, like keeping, I, I, I honestly keep a calendar and just only let in things at, you know, a slow drip that I know that I can't really handle in large bursts. And Oh, that's you know, good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's something that they talk about on a lot of podcasts. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing that. Uh, in, uh, exercising and movement and being outdoors is also a big thing for me. It just gets, it's like another form of meditation, but you're also getting the endorphins going and it just, I don't know, it sparks something. All the best people from throughout time have creators, scientists, philosophers have always talked about like walking and stuff like that to get their creative juices flowing. So um, you're not alone. So that's awesome. On the flip side, and I know this is kind of a lot of people say they don't think of things as failures, but, and, and I know that's kind of a loaded word, but I ask, uh, do you have any failures or biggest failure in your career, in your life? And what did you learn from it? I think they're essential, but, um, but maybe you have one that you can share with us. Absolutely. Let me think for a second. That's a great question. It's yeah. Funny. Take your time. And it doesn't have to be huge either. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I, I look back at my, you know, I left my corporate marketing job and it was a great decision, but it was absolutely terrifying. And oh, I'm sure. uh, I, you know, for the first, you know, couple of years, I felt like I, I was concerned about taking the step away and completely giving it up because I did love it. And, um, but I also loved my, my art business and, and, creating. And so I actually took a bit of a step back and started taking some consulting work in corporate marketing again, and trying to balance both. And it, unfortunately, I really found that I could only really do the one I could only, you know, give my all to one thing I couldn't do both. And I thought I could, I really thought that I would be able to do both and do it well. And I just found that I wasn't. So I, you know, and I did, I felt like that was a failure because I, you know, wasn't able to to manage both and, and really still, still create to the level that I'd gotten to expect for myself. And I knew I could, could do, I wasn't able to do both. So I think that was, and it was a bit of a wake up call and taught me how precious, you know, my time and energy is and how to kind of guard that and, you know, work with that. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Saying no to things. I think that's a, that's a superpower in and of itself. Like there's so many things that were bombarded by. And, and as you know, you've got so many irons in the fire, like I do, you're, you know, you're coaching, you're painting, you're blogging, you're interviewing, you're doing all these things. Sometimes just taking that one other project on can be enough to put you in that mindset where you do get derailed creatively. So I think that's great that you learned and maybe you learned through that corporate experience or the consulting experience that you needed to be a little stricter with saying no sometimes. Absolutely. I feel like that might be like a, a daily thing in life for me because I, I do struggle with that. And, and that is, that's a bigger example, but absolutely you're right. Saying no and, and, you know, really for me, understanding the effect that it'll have instead of just brushing it off, like, oh, it's no big deal. It's only an hour, but right. not thinking that that situation is a little bit more than, you know, I might be more sensitive to that situation and it might take me three days to recover, which does happen. Yeah. And just to take that a step further, I know for me, um, as I've gotten busier and busier and older and, you know, I have a wife and business and do all these different things, podcasts, it sometimes if I don't get that 30 minutes or that hour at the end of the day to chill out and kind of decompress, that completely takes me off course. 
I mean, it, it sounds so stupid. It's just like 30 minutes or an hour, but the wheels start to come off if I don't take that. And so part of my routine recently has been like, okay, I got to start saying no to more things. I've got to start, you know, finding a little bit more of that balance, like you were talking about earlier. So that, that's absolutely essential. Yes, I totally agree with you. And it, I, I don't think it's crazy at all. I mean, my, my 30 minutes, um, my time, I have to have that in the morning as well, like mm-hmm. to start my day a very certain way. And if I don't, you know, I, I, like you said, the wheels come off. And you know, it's one of the interesting things I think about the whole pandemic situation that, you know, I, I've, I know there are so many negatives. I do. But one of the things I think that might be positive is because we've been forced to pull back and slow down a little bit, we can, you know, look at the framework of our lives. And, and it made it a little easier for me, at least to prioritize, you know, what matters versus what is actually not important to me and what is draining and what, you know, it made it easier to, to just shift my priorities around a lot. I, yeah, I completely agree. And also it's kind of put some relationships um, in my life into perspective too. some people that, I don't know, it, it's kind of like this whole process has kind of heightened and elevated certain things that I didn't really see when things were normal. And it's just kind of helped me to redefine like, okay, like what we were talking about earlier, having that kind of positive uh, community around you, I kind of started to realize, oh, this, this person really isn't that aligned with me as I thought, or I had just a kind of a past relationship that was hanging on that wasn't really serving me anymore. Uh, so it's also helped me to kind of do that. I know it sounds horrible, but like, oh, you know, getting rid of people, but it's not getting rid. It's just sometimes you have to move on and find an, uh, or, you know, bring other people into your community. Right. Absolutely. I've had the exact same experience. It's you oh, know, wow. the, the people that, that were rising to the surface in terms of importance, you know, and then people that were, you know, shifting down to the bottom a little bit, not that they're not important, but just maybe, you know, like you, you use the word aligned, maybe we're just not as aligned. I feel the same way. And, and I think it's yeah. wonderful for us. It is. Oh yeah. It's, it's something that I feel like I should have been doing earlier. And yeah. So if there's a silver lining, it has made some of those, you know, choices a little bit clearer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that too. Do you have any advice to young Hillary? Hillary, maybe at, let's see, let's paint the picture. You're about eight years old or 10 years old. What, any advice, life advice or art advice, whatever you want to make it something that you've learned over the years of kind of falling on your face a couple of times and picking yourself up and figuring out what you're all about. What, what wisdom would you impart to your younger self? That is such a good question. And I am going to use a quote that my dad has been telling me my entire life and that I didn't really get until, you know, more recently. Oh my God, that's been happening to me too. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Damn it, he was right this whole time. (laughs) Exactly. Um, You know, he's been telling me, be true to yourself. Yes. And that is it. And it really just ties in what we've been talking about, about, well, saying no, because there have been so many times when I have compromised and, you know, put someone else's priorities or, you know, sure. not, not really followed what I knew in my heart or my gut was the right way to go or the right choice. And so I think that being true to yourself, I think it would save so much so much time and heartbreak. I also think it's easier said than done when you're young, but that would be it. 
Oh, that's great. And and hello, people pleaser over here. Oh, so I, I know. Same. <laughs> oh. See, I knew we aligned on many things, Hillary. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's cost me so much time and, and so much heartache over the years. So that's great advice. I, uh, and if you're, well, it, the hardest part about that, I guess, would be figuring out who your true self is, right? And then being true to that self. Uh, and I think sometimes that takes a little time, but I, I completely agree with you. Now, why don't we shift uh, to uh, like a broader scale? Do you have any, I know we've talked about coaching a little bit, but do you have any like very quick uh, wisdom for any artists that are either starting out or wanting to get ahead or kind of stuck? Just one thing that could maybe help them through right now? I The first thing that pops spot. into my mind, I know, no, that's wonderful. <laughs> Show us those coaching skills, Hillary. No, <laughs> the first thing that pops in my mind is just start somewhere every day. Just even the littlest bit. Don't let it get overwhelming. Just do it. Just do something. Just do the littlest bit. Start. And, and it literally will snowball. You know, I think about search engine optimization and what they tell you when you, you start off with your website, you have no traffic, you know, you have very few keywords and and then you keep going and day after day, people find you and just start and you will build it and it, you will surprise yourself. And one day, you know, you'll, you'll look back and be stunned at all that you've accomplished in just a little bit at a time. So good. Good advice for anybody, really. I also say to people, <laughs> sometimes like I had an interview recently with a, a, a fellow blogger and I said that one of my superpowers was just doing what you say you're going to do. Just, you know, because so many people, they have a great idea and they just don't act on it, right? I mean, how much of this is just saying you're going to do something and then actually doing it? I mean, a lot of people, oh, I, I can do a podcast. Let's do a podcast. There's, It's a far cry from actually taking all the steps that are necessary to actually do it. So getting yourself to that place where you just follow through on these ideas that you have or the things that you say you're going to do is also extremely powerful. And it kind of goes with what you're saying because then once you start doing it it takes that day at a time that one step leads to two steps to three steps each journey starts with a step right absolutely i agree with you um it might sound really dorky but one thing i do is this is a dork safe environment yes that's my favorite place to be (laughs) (laughs) but one thing i do um especially when i'm feeling stuck or blocked which happens especially right now it's so easy to to slip into that place yeah is i have a notebook and i have the first thing and the second thing and i pick the first thing that day that is the most important thing for me to do and the second thing that day and it can be really small like i just know that if i go for a walk that day or if I, you know, whatever it is, it, it's, I'm building toward getting back to center and being able to, you know, be productive and, and yes. effective again. Completely agree. Yeah. Sometimes those small things are, are easy to forget about too. And like I was saying to somebody, I don't know if I, sorry, if I interrupted you, if you had more, but um, no I always say like, when I get up in the morning, I get up super early with my wife and then I go for a run and I do a cold shower and it's like, I already know if I've done that each morning, I've already won. Like it's the hardest thing I'm going to do all day and everything else seems so much easier. Yes, exactly. I think that's exactly it. Just do the one thing, just find your one thing and do that. And then, yeah, you've already won, you've won the day and everything else is just nice. And you can, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I, uh, I totally agree. So wait, so that's cool. So you do it, you put that in a notebook? 
Yeah, I have a planner that I keep and um, every day I have my one thing, first thing and my second thing. And I put those in. Sometimes I only have one thing. If it's a big thing or if, it, if you know, you go through a hard time, it's just, you know, the one thing that, but always have. And it keeps, for me, it helps me keep that momentum going and keep that energy management, keep my energy up. And, you know, yes. so I, I have a priority list for the day, even if it's tiny, it's still fine. Well, yeah. And, you know, these routines are honestly, they're essential. I mean, it doesn't just happen all by itself. So thank you for sharing that because I think a lot of people see people who are doing well or successful. It's like, oh, they just have it easy. It's like, no, it, you know, takes some cultivation here. So uh, yeah. So thank you for that. Um, Well, we're kind of getting close to wrapping up, but um, you seem pretty goal oriented. Where, Where do you see yourself or, and, or your art in like five years? Do you have any big plans or goals? That's a great question. (laughs) Oh, five years. Um, Or, you know, any arbitrary time. It doesn't matter. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, it's funny. I I feel really grateful about where I am right now. And I always, you know, and I truly mean it when I say I'm hoping for more of the same and to continue to grow. I, you know, being able, like you've said, being able to do this full time and be able to, you know, earn an income as a, an artist. It's just, it, it, it's amazing. It truly is amazing. It is. And, you know, I, I hope for more of the same and just to, to keep growing and keep creating. And, and, you know, it sounds like you and I both, from what you've said, we both have irons in the fire and just to, to keep that motivation and passion and keep coming up with new creative ways to give something good to the world. Yes. I like it. I like it. Yeah. It's just keep, keep moving forward. I mean, I always, I'm always afraid that it's, I'm going to reach like a place of burnout or something or just, Oh, one day I wake up and I'm, Oh, you know what? (laughs) It's not there anymore. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I think all these routines and, you know, these mindsets and the community you have around you, that kind of safeguards you almost a little bit against that. It's like, okay, when you have one of those moments, you have these things around you to kind of remind you to keep going. Yes, exactly. And then at the same time, I think pivoting is really good to give yourself oh, yeah. permission to pivot. Like if you, you know, feel like you really need a break from, let's say just, you know, painting in your studio and you wanted to focus on your blog or your podcast, then give yourself permission to pivot because that, in my opinion, has been one of the most important things is just to let myself, you know, transition from something that may not be right in that time to something that, that feels a little more organic in that time. Yes. And I also just found the name of your autobiography, Hillary Winfield, Pivot. <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much. I'll start tomorrow. <laughs> yes. Exactly. No, I couldn't agree more with you though, honestly. And, and you find that these things, a lot of times they feed your creativity too. Like the, the uh, YouTube channel or the podcast for me or whatever it is that I'm doing, if I'm getting burnt out, it's just, I need to change something up. I need to adapt. And then once I start doing that, it kind of feeds me in another way and I'm ready to come back and tackle it like full on. So I, I 100% agree with you. Yes. You know that's I, it. I yes. think that you're uh, probably a pretty good life coach or not life coach, but just coach. So thank you. Yeah. So everybody, well, now you're going to, hopefully you get bombarded <laughs> by hundreds of people, but uh, <laughs> No, but check out her coaching. Check out her art. Her art's amazing. You're very, I knew you'd be a nice person. You can always just kind of tell we've kind of been, uh, you know, we've been friends online and through social media, but this is really the first time we're 
actually talking. And it is. I just kind of felt like I knew you would be a really nice person. So thanks for sharing everything with us. Uh, where can people find you online on the interwebs? On the internet. Yes, um, internet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my website is uh, hillarywinfield.com, H-I-L-A-R-Y-W-I-N-F-I-E-L-D.com, or you can Google me, um, Instagram, Hillary Winfield Fine Art, Facebook, Hillary Winfield Fine Art. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, check her stuff out. You will be you. inspired on many different levels. So, Hillary, thank you so much. Uh, is there anything before we take off today that we left out? Is there anything you want to plug? Is there anything you feel like we didn't do justice to? No, it was wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. You know, like, just like you said, I think you're an amazing artist and a wonderful person. I appreciate getting to talk to you in person. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Hopefully we'll get to do it again sometime. Sounds wonderful. Thank you. Thanks, Hillary. You bet. This has been the Living Artist Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I just want you to know that I appreciate you being here, and I'm grateful to be in your ears. Your art and creative life on this planet is meaningful, so thank you for sharing it with me. If you like this podcast, whatever platform you're listening to it on, please subscribe and share it with your friends. You can also leave me a positive review to show your support. This helps me to reach more people with the algorithmic magic and keep the show going strong. If you want to see more of what I do and check out the art that I create, you can visit my website at www.pmsartwork.com or follow me on social media everywhere at PMS Artwork. That's it for now. See you back here next time.